Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 607th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective, our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at beyondthe90.substock.com, as well as locally on the New York Rebels at Rebels News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game here in our country. The playoffs are underway. We have some fantastic games that are being played, some fantastic goals. It's just been a strong start to the 2023 playoffs. But there are problems with this playoff format. Regardless of who is dictating what, whether it's Apple, TV dictating MLS more playoff games, whether the owners wanted more playoff games, whether it's Don Garber's ideas of having more playoff games. The truth of the matter is this. This is a bad idea. It is a bad idea to remove what was already done that improved it. I was, at the time, in favor of the goal aggregate playoffs with the away goals rule. I would have been fine if they brought back goal aggregate with no away goals rule. In fact, I was happy with the single game per round situation. But no, 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 now we have to have the best two out of three points matter. And then of course, if you go into a penalty kick shootout, that's a secondary point. Kind of like what league's cup is. And once again, Don Garber is forcing change on what we are, what we have known what this sport is supposed to be. I have said many, many times, this is going to cause not only just fixture congestion, but at the same time, this is going to cause problems with players' health. Got to expand the roster, got to expand the salary cap situation. We cannot continue to grow this league in a 3.0, 4 4.0, 4.0 world, but continue to operate this league in a 1.0 manner. So I got to thinking, 
what would be the best way to fix this entire situation? What would be the best way to make sure that the winners of the po- you know who can earn or win the MLS Cup championship the proper way? Well, in my latest article on Beyond the Ninety. And you can go to that one at beyondthe90.substack.com. I have just said, let's, let's just get rid of the playoffs. Let's just get rid of them. It just makes no more sense. Because no matter how much MLS tinkers, it's always going to be moving towards the absurd. So, all I can say is, is this. It makes no sense now. Because you can lose the first game and then go into the next game and get a win and then all of a sudden, you go to the third game and you see what happens. No. No. If we go back to goal aggregate playoffs, then fine. You want to bring it back with away goals rule? That's fine. Go back to what worked for the last several years. Single matches, whoever is the higher seed hosts the games. No, we can't do that anymore. Time to get rid of the playoffs. It's also time to get rid of the League's Cup, but that's another argument for another time. It's time to get rid of the playoffs. And here is what my suggestion was. Because MLS wants to get to 30 teams, and they will get there in 2025 with the addition of San Diego FC. Now, My idea has been this. Play every single club except for one when you are in your own conference. You will still play games against your opponents in your same conference, home and away. But when you play against the clubs in the other conference, 14 games, half of them at your home stadium, the other half of them on the road. And that 15th club in the other conference, you don't play them. And each and every year, you will rotate one opponent you will not play against. This is the best way to go. Now, how do we decide the places for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, it's really simple. Whoever finishes in first place, second place, and third place in each conference, you could even go fourth place if you want, those clubs will be qualified for the CONCACAF Champions Cup. In fact, if you still want to do a final, whether it be one game or two games, That's your playoff. 
because you'll have the Supporter Shield winner and the other conference winner battling it out for the championship. If not, whoever wins the league at the top wins the championship. How is it better idea of what to do at the end of the season and MLS can't? How is it that I can envision what can work here, but MLS can't? Why is it Major League Soccer can't find a way to stick with something and never deviate from it? Why? Who are they opining to? Is it their owners? Is it Apple? Who? Who is it? I'll tell you right now. Whatever ideas that they're coming up with, it's just not working for everyone else that supports the league and covers the league and plays in the league. And if you read Jonathan Tannenwald from the Philadelphia Inquirer, who went against the grain here and basically was writing articles, or at least an article, about this situation, he's 100% right. You know, this is going nowhere. You, as a league, are now diluting the competition. You are diluting the quality of this league because you continue to tinker with the postseason no matter what. You continue to tinker with the postseason for no reason whatsoever. And it's just getting to be tiresome. Now, don't get me wrong. I have said many, many times that I'm going to stick with this playoff situation in Major League Soccer until everyone as a whole is in harmonious togetherness to get promotion relegation to be all on the same page. I've said this many, many times because I watch, I look, I read the situation. I'm not going half-cocked Because saying it means I'm smarter than you or smarter than anyone else. What we have here is another failure by the league to determine a champion. That's all we have. A league determining and he's failing it in front of our eyes. The infrastructure to MLS is still there. But the problem is, is this. While I still believe in the American player, and I still believe in Major League Soccer, and I still believe in the game in this country is growing at a strong rate, and it's doing well, it is doing well. But the problem is, is that the quality that's going to be on the field, on the pitch, is going to suffer because of stupid stuff like this. And this is why, even though I'm still going to be a part of this 
But in reality, I've, I've had enough of it. Because if you're not going to get the situation right with the playoffs, you're never going to get it right at all. And to add more teams to be allowed to be in the playoff is not what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to water it down. Now, don't get me wrong. When the Red Bulls defeated Charlotte FC 5-2 in the wild card game, it was great to see them get that victory. It was. But you want to make the, uh, the regular season have more meaning and to make the postseason also have more meaning. It's time to scrap it. Or, if you still want to keep it, reduce the amount of teams. Don't make it 18 teams or 19 teams or 20 teams. Make it five. Go back to seven. But make it five. Have a real battle on your hands. You want to say, you know, decision day was a very important day for everyone? Well, then, let's have at it. Problem that we are seeing right now. And the problem is this. Fixture congestion. Adding another tournament for no reason. Expanding another couple more games in the playoffs for no reason. It's getting to the point where it's getting comical. I don't care what they do in Mexico. I don't care what they do in the NFL, in Major League Baseball, in the National Hockey League, or in the NBA. We can not, and I repeat this, we can not dilute the quality of Major League Soccer just to make everyone else feel happy that is within the boardroom of MLS. We can't. It's going to get to the point where we're going to be losing the quality and it's going to suffer our national team. It's going to suffer our players who are going to try and go to Europe because those players who are going to be in Europe currently or who will go to Europe not through MLS academies, will be the only ones on the national team because our MLS players will not be able to make the national team because they're not good enough. And we cannot have that at all. Great show for you tonight. Once again, I'll be joined tonight by Carter Krishnayer from World Soccer Talk and my colleague at Beyond the 90 as we talk about the major omission of the U.S. Open Cup semifinals and final matches involving Lionel Messi in the brand-new docuseries that will be broadcasted on the MLS Season Pass by Apple TV. Cardick, welcome back. Hope you had a great trip to uh, Europe and uh, Turkey. I believe you're in Turkey as well. A lot of soccer to discuss and talk about. But uh, yeah. let's, talk about, let's talk about this situation now. And I'm upset. You're upset. Um, it, it's really disheartening. When you have a title called Messi Meets America, or Messi Comes to America, and the one important thing that should have been involved in this document, in this docuseries with Lionel Messi coming to enter Miami and MLS, was the omission intentionally of the U.S. Open Cup matches that he played, or at least was a part of in the semifinals against FC Cincinnati. 
Yeah, and, and good evening, Daniel, and, and the listeners. And as you mentioned, I was just in, in, in England and in Turkey. Um, and in both those places, uh, when I fired up Apple TV, uh, particularly in Turkey, the, this thing was right front and center. So even if you didn't have season pass, um, they were promoting it. And so imagine I'm a, a, a fan in, in England or Turkey or any place, really, because this is a global uh, global series. And this could be your introduction to soccer in the United States. And that it was for a lot of people. And they had cut out the domestic cup competition. Can you imagine, uh, take, let's take England, for example. Can you, can you imagine if they did a series on uh, – on uh, um, uh, Harry Kane, uh, maybe that's a bad example. Erling Holland goes to uh, Manchester City last year, and they cut out the FA Cup. Can you imagine that? I mean, no. Think about that for a minute. But this is this is the absurdity of it. And um, I, I mean, I'm really not amused by it. Uh, you're not either. Uh, props to, to my colleague uh, Christopher Harris at, at World Soccer Talk for breaking this story for. Um, um, going somewhere where I don't think MLS and Apple wanted reporters to go. Um, but this continues a pattern that you've written about very extensively at Beyond the 90, Daniel, and talked about on this show. Deliberate disrespect from Don Garber, MLS, Bob Foos, and the Players Association, and people associated with Soccer United Marketing towards the U.S. Open Cup. A competition they promoted just a year ago because it was a sum property. But when U.S. soccer made the decision that they were going to break their relationship with some, um, which, by the way, I'm told has been very profitable for U.S. soccer because now they're keeping all the money that they, they generate from their, from their media deals and from their, their sponsorships. Um, and it's helping soccer at all levels, grassroots soccer, women's soccer, everything. Um, they decided that they were going to try and torpedo this tournament. Um, and Leeds Cup is, um, I mean, look, they, they, the, the, the docuseries makes, the ver- make, makes you think Leeds Cup is, is some sort of uh, um, uh, equivalent of the UEFA Champions League. Um, and the FA Cup rolled into one. And they admit the U.S. Open Cup. So I honestly, I um. I stopped watching it in the middle. I didn't watch the whole series because I, I was really put out by it. Um, and Leeds Cup is, is a competition with what, what now, a three-year history or something, as opposed to the Open Cup, which is over 100 years old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to be honest, Leeds Cup is a three-year competition that really had no stature at all. Even though MLS made it into something, they wanted it to be something with stature. But then all of a sudden, this year... CONCACAF, the, the president of CONCACAF, Victor Montagliani, has all of a sudden anointed Leaks Cup to be an official competition to qualify for three spots in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, depending on which clubs coming from MLS or Liga MX is going to win. And, of course, you know, are we going to see any of these matches being played in Mexico? Of course not. Don Garber's going to say, no, of course not. No, this is, this is our tournament. This is uh, our, our design. This is what we believe. And uh, it's always going to be, you know, the Mexican clubs are going to come over as basically tourists into MLS 
And basically, you know, not saying I, you know, look, I would love to see our teams dominate over Liga MX clubs, but the truth is, I would rather them defeat them in the Champions Cup than a made up, you know, BS tournament like this that's basically fixture congestion. You're, you're basically forcing League MX and MLS, they're suspending themselves of their regular season matches, and you're adding fixture congestion, and it, it's just ridiculous. And now you have the greatest footballer in our time, in Lionel Messi, who has brought over the kind of fanfare we have not seen since Pele. Let's just be honest about that. Pele does what Lionel Messi is doing now. Now, granted, no one's been pitch invading to get his autograph or pictures while he's playing. You're doing it with Messi now. But truthfully, we've never seen this since Pele. And to omit the Open Cup from Messi coming over is just disgraceful. It's shocking, it's disgusting, and I'm sick and tired of U.S. soccer, and I'll, I'll say it, I don't care, bending over, taking it up the ass, whatever Don Garber says, we will not have your silly Open Cup involved in our MLS docuseries on Messi. Yeah, I, 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 I think it's, it's, it's just also kind of very petty on the part of MLS because um, the U.S. Open Cup is what it is. It means so much to the players and the fans um, in this country. And the reality is this. Miami was more focused on trying to win the Open Cup, which they didn't win, uh, but they got to the final. And they win the semifinal match that was cut out of the, uh, uh, the Dodgers series, the match against FC Cincinnati. They were more focused on that than making the MLS playoffs. So uh, maybe that's another thing that there's some sort of uh, complex with MLS where they don't want to show that. They don't want to show how important Open Cup was uh, to the players because that undermines the idea that, that, that League Cup and then winning the uh, – winning uh, um, MLS playoffs or making the MLS playoffs is more important. Now – I, I do acknowledge that because Miami had one League Cup, that perhaps the Open Cup then would have been house money because they've already qualified for, for a CONCACAF Champions Cup. But I do think if you ask um, Tata Martino uh, privately, right, if you ask him, if you ask a number of the players, they would have preferred to win the Open Cup than the League Cup. If they had the option, if they were told that you're going to win one of the two, they would have picked the Open Cup. Um, it's disrespectful, and it's also, I think, undermining the foundation we have in this country for uh, fair competition, right? There's all kinds of other arguments about MLS. I don't want to get into ProRail, all of that. But um, when they're undermining the one kind of equitable competition we have, the one open competition we have, it's called the Open Cup for a reason, um, it raises uh, – it kind of confirms – some of the suspicions people have about MLS and lends itself to even more conspiracy theories about the league. And some of the conspiracy theories are absurd, Daniel, but you can understand why they're being made at this point. Um, do I think MLS wants to withdraw from the open cup? Um, 
Yeah, I've been asked this. I know you have been too. I, I truthfully don't know the answer. I do think they're trying to minimize the importance of the competition. Um, there are some very knowledgeable people who tell me they think they're trying to withdraw from the Open Cup, create the pretext to withdraw their clubs from the Open Cup. Um, with, uh, I, I think the fans would be, the supporters would be very, very angry if that happened. So I don't know if they're going to do that now, if the people who say that they want to withdraw from the Open Cup are correct, I think we're going to be looking at this over a number of years where they kind of prepare their fans for the inevitable uh, withdrawal from the competition. Uh, They won't do it next year. But um, the way they've handled this documentary, it's part of that. That's part of the process of um, desensitizing fans and making it seem like the Open Cup is not a relevant or important competition. And that's the shame of the whole situation. This is an important competition, whether Don Garber wants to make you think it's not. It really is, because do you know, look, the one final where D.C. United defeated Real Salt Lake one goal to nil at, at the time, Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, Utah. And that was a team that had uh, Jason Christ as the head coach, had a Spindola, it had uh, Olave, it had, you know, I mean, the best team in MLS at the time, but unfortunately, only one MLS Cup to show for it because they lost to, the, to Monterey in the CONCACAF Champions League final in the second leg at home. Should have beaten D.C. United, who were in dead last in the Eastern Conference. Did not make the playoffs that one year. I think it was 2008. Did not make the freaking playoffs. And Ben Olsen, out of nowhere, goes on an Open Cup run and wins the championship on a dead last D.C. United team. Wasn't that the year they beat Charleston in the final? Or was that... Uh, the next year. No, I think that was the next year. Oh, no, no. I think, I, I think that was further down. I'm sorry. Charles, they defeated Charleston in 2008, and I think it was further down that they defeated uh, Real Salt Lake. Let me quickly take a look up up there. But, you know. Um, I mean, in any event, they weren't, they weren't the playoff team those years, right? D.C. United was really struggling. I mean, they were very good. Yes. Tom Jones' first year in 2007, right after Peter Novak left. But then they uh-huh. were uh, uh, 08, 09, I think, uh, struggled. But they won the Open Cup, as you mentioned. I think they beat Charleston in the final. And then under Benny Olsen, under Ben Olsen, year one, 2013. they were dead last. It was 2013. It was 2013. Yeah, they were dead last. Um, yeah, and, and, and so there, there, there were all these stories for MLS clubs. There was the ability um, on multiple occasions for clubs that were struggling in the league to win an open cup. Um, and so, so, and so it's not just for lower division clubs, obviously Sacramento gets to the final last year. I just mentioned Charleston uh, getting there. There's all, generally always a, a, a USL team. This year was an exception, actually. Generally there's always a USL team and previously an ASL team uh, in the semifinals. That didn't happen this season, which is funny because no. I think MLS would want to highlight the fact that they dominated this competition this year. Very few USL teams 
um, upset MLS teams this year, like, fewer than usual. Um, there were still a, there were still a few, right? Uh, Pittsburgh beat Columbus, if I remember correctly. Um, yep, yep. Uh, Pittsburgh beat Columbus. Uh, like Birmingham beat Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is uh, fantastic, right? Birmingham uh, beat Charlotte. That's right. Uh, so there were a few, but there yep. weren't as many as usual. I mean, usually, honestly, Daniel, you you, you cover the comp tournament closer than anyone. It's a flip of the coin the first round when USL and USL teams meet MLS teams. It's usually 50-50 or maybe 60-40 MLS. This year it was like 80-20. So it was a good year yep. for MLS. They should have been promoting that. Hey, you know, we're not, exactly. our, our teams are doing better in Open Cup this year than they've done in the past. But instead, they chose to completely blow off the competition in terms of promoting it. And let me also say this. Shouldn't MLS be happy that CBS Sports picked up both semifinals and the final to highlight a hell of a semifinal between Miami and Cincinnati at TQL Stadium to see Cincinnati go up 2-0, Messi pulling off his magic again to get it to 2-2, and into the end of regulation, it became 3-3 in extra time, and you go to a penalty kick shootout, and, Miami's, and Miami wins it. Yeah, no, no, that's absolutely right. I mean, I, I think we're, we're uh, th- that was free publicity for them with, with uh, someone who is not an MLS rights holder. And CBS Sports efforts with Morning Footy and other uh, programs have given more exposure and conversation about Major League Soccer than they're getting from their own. Look, they made a, they made a strategic decision to put themselves on Apple TV. And... Um, I noticed even Alexi Lawless now is saying, hey, there's less of a buzz around the MLS playoffs, because there is. Um, and so they should be taking any publicity they can get. Yep. Which includes exactly. everything CBS has done, done around this competition, and, and they seem to not want to do that. No, because they think that they can do whatever they want, because they think, oh, well, you know, we have a strong fan base. But the point is, Forget about the strong fan base. What, what, what are you doing to grow new fans? Do you know how difficult – Cardiff, let me just tell you something right now. In New York City, with an abundance of clubs, whether it be MLS, uh, the Cosmopolitan League, in the amateur levels in, the, in Region 1 – we have, uh, you know, I don't. I, we used to have a couple of USL uh, championship teams, or at least at the time, second division teams in USL. But still, though, college soccer, whatever have you, the New York Times is no longer covering sports. They gave it everything to the Athletic, and is the Athletic, you know, promoting the league in some ways? Yes, in some ways, no. But still, though, the New York Times is no longer doing it. The Daily News is no longer doing it. The New York Post is no longer doing it. None of the Long Island or the New Jersey newspapers are covering both Red Bulls or New York City FC. I mean, I remember the time when I started covering the, the league, Michael Lewis was with the Daily News. Brian Lewis is with the New York Post. Frank Yates is with the uh, Newark Star-Ledger. Christian Dyer was with Metro New York. Jack Bell was with the New York Times. And uh, Ives Gallersepp, who's now producing Morning Footy at CBS Sports uh, Golazo Network, was with the Bergen Record. Not a single one of them 
is coming to Red Bull Arena, maybe for the Hudson River Derby. They only came because Lionel Messi came to Red Bull Arena with Miami, and that was it. There's your one yeah. and done. It's over. The league is getting less uh, attention in mainstream media uh, than it ever has. I, I don't want to say it ever has, but um, yeah, yeah, kind of. Because the beat, there were still beat writers. So today on World Soccer Talk on the podcast, Christopher Harris and I went through you know this issue, right? Because obviously, as we mentioned, he broke the story uh, a couple weeks ago, and um, I realized thinking aloud when I said that the period between the contraction of the fusion and the mutiny and then the signing of David Beckham, uh, so from 2001, November, through 2007, um, that there was going to be a, uh, um, that it was the dark ages of MLS. And then I I kind of backtracked because I said, you know, it was the dark ages in some ways, but then I realized there was still more media attention. There was still ESPN promoting uh, MLS Cup playoffs during college football games. There were still the local beat writers in the 10 cities that were left in MLS, and then uh, it became uh, uh, 11 with the addition of Salt Lake. Now Chivas was added, but they were in the same market as the Galaxy. Um, there were still the beat writers for every team at the local papers. There were still the regional sports network uh, in each of those markets promoting MLS. And then Toronto came into the league and, and then gave us the boost us, us being, you know, MLS, uh, the boost that was needed to, to, to really kind of amplify things and get us to, to an MLS 2.0 stage, okay? So, honestly, the Apple deal, and I think this, this, is, this is reflective of the whole kind of media culture, right? Newspapers uh, don't have the reach that they used to. MLS has, uh, for strategic reasons, maybe long-term it pays off, but short-term it hasn't pulled themselves off of all the regional sports networks, laid off a lot of the people who worked on MLS at regional sports networks, not hired people like J.P. Delacamera uh, and, uh, and Dave Johnson, who did games since the inception of the league, and have uh, put themselves behind an Apple paywall. Therefore, even yep. if beat writers wanted to, newspapers wanted to cover MLS, it's now completely behind the paywall on a niche streaming service. There are occasional games on FS1, but they're occasional. Um, yeah. So because they're using the, the signal from Apple, that's why. Yeah, right. I mean, so this is the result of it, Daniel. So you would think they would be wanting to embrace any free publicity they get from CBS. But for some reason, they don't want to. I, I don't know if maybe it's... It, Maybe this isn't a Don Garber decision. Maybe this is an Apple, we kind of own you decision. It could be. It really could be. And I think that's wrong. And I think that's wrong. You know, that, that's very wrong. I mean, look, uh, look, Apple gave MLS the money. MLS took the money. There's nothing to do about it. This is capitalism. It, it, you know, it's, it's going to yeah, – yeah. MLS, you know, people were getting sick and tired of, you know, the season, you know, whatever, uh, you know – uh, whether it be by dish or by stream, you know, going through ESPN, you know, they had, they were sick and tired of the blackouts. Right. They were getting sick and tired of being blacked out in, you know, an area where, you know, th- they're watching their team from a different, uh, a different part of the country and it's being blacked out and everyone's happy that, look, there's no blackouts here. 
because it's all under Apple and we don't have to worry about it. I mean, that's great. That That's always a positive. But what are the negatives? And, you know, the, the negatives are right now is everything's everything's being done at their studios in Manhattan. At uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Nick Carter's uh, not Carter, uh, who's a wild and out um, host. I forget, but uh, you know who I'm talking about. Um, yeah. You know, it's in his studios in Manhattan, in Harlem, and I'm glad for them that they're able to, you know, deal done. But at the same time, you know, what about everyone else? What about everyone else that's, uh, you know, been working on MLS games, you know, forever and ever and ever, and now you're out of a job because now it's all under the Apple situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't... Uh... Uh, I, I, I don't think that taking yourself completely off of uh, a main, mainstream platforms, uh, which would be um, Fox, Fox's ratings are not as good, although you know Fox has been a good partner for MLS, so I'm glad they gave Fox some games. But taking yourself off of ABC, ESPN, uh, NBC, CBS completely uh, is is. Yeah. It's really tough to justify then mainstream print media coverage outside of the athletic, um, which is the sports paper, um, if you are not on ESPN. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, or you're not on CBS or NBC. So um, right. they then get the break of having several MLS v. MLS matchups on CBS. Also, honestly, uh, a couple of games were it was MLS versus USL and MLS teams advanced. Uh, which you would think, again, they would want to promote. The gap with USL seems to have grown this year, the gap between MLS and USL, with MLS going yep. away. I, and I do think, as someone who, who, who covers USL, that the league was not as strong this season from a playing standpoint as it's been the last few years. And I, I've noted, noted that, but I think the level of play dropped in USL this year. Uh, the level of play was higher in NISA than it has been, but NISA has all these other issues. Uh, that we can talk about, that we talked about in previous shows, we can talk about again in the future. So this was an opportunity yep. for MLS to say, "Great, CBS is covering us. They're talking about us on Morning Footy. Um, let's uh, let's let's promote this. Let's promote Lionel Messi. He wins League Cup, dramatic match in Nashville. Now he's going to Cincinnati for a nationally televised match on CBS in a Cup semifinal. No." Just the game didn't happen no. in, in, as far as the documentary no. is concerned. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is that the thing is, is this. And, and I think that when you got people like Andres Cordero, who not only covered under Miami for the local station calling their games, and he's also working for Apple and MLS to call those games too. Here's Ray Hudson who is, you know, let's, let's be honest, the best analyst every time Messi plays a freaking game. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, it's just amazing, you know, well, when you, way, when you miss something so badly. Hire. Oh, okay. But, but, yep. but, but Daniel, I, I'm going to, I have a bone to pick here. This is the best sure. guy. No question about it. Kind of a voice, particularly here in South Florida of soccer. Um, yep. You know, I grew up. Uh, with my Rocky Ray Hudson kid as a, as a kid, as a ball boy for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. Apple made the decision not to hire him. 
which is absurd to start with. So then you're getting Ray Hudson with Drake Cordero, as you mentioned, calling a semifinal game in the Open Cup on CVS, perfect setup for MLS, and they chose to omit it. I mean, we may have a problem with Ray Hudson. You know, he was a manager in the league, too. He's been, he's been very um, – you know, Ray Hudson calls it like he sees it. But uh, that was another thing, like that, that, that Apple season pass, MLS season pass, Apple, Apple TV chose not to hire Ray Hudson. He, add him to the list with uh, Dave Johnson, J.P. Della Camera. Um, uh, yeah, we, there are others, right? Um, I'm blanking out now. Uh, Dwight Burgess, and there are several others, too. Glenn Davis. Uh, <laughs> give, me, give me 10 more minutes, I'll come up with 10 more names of guys that are MLS uh, legends from a commentary standpoint that they didn't hire. Um, by the way, uh, props to Dave Johnson. He's done a great job uh, running the um, NPSL team in Annapolis uh, in, in partnership with, with our friend Michael Hitchcock. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're shattering records in terms of attendance for um, a, a, a adult amateur club. Um, but they chose, this is this is the point. I think they wanted people who at Apple that are young and are never going to say a bad word about the league. Never criticize. Uh, Taylor Twelman's an exception, right? He's a big name. They did hire him. That's good. Uh, but he is the real, very much the exception to this general trend that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um. And, and, and it's disturbing. You know, what, what, what's your uh, – I mean, there are a few other guys that are good that they hired, right? They hired Max Bredo. They hired Steve Cangelosi, right? Those are, those are yes. credible names. But, but they're, by mm-hmm. and large, again, they, they, they skipped over the Della Cameras and the Dave Johnsons and the Glenn Davises. So I, I, um, I was predisposed to not like Apple's product because they had not chosen to part uh, ways with all these. And – as you reported, Daniel, and you did a great show on last year around this time, they made the decision not to hire a lot of the production people and folks that had really kept MLS relevant in local markets throughout the country, and actually in Canada also. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, this leaves a very bad taste in the mouth of people like you and me. This whole episode is not this open cup thing. This snub is the culmination of a year since they went in with Apple of really kind of um, messing with tradition and messing with what has been built in this country, including things that they did a great job of building to their credit. MLS did a great job. I mean, MLS clubs did a great job of building. They've taken the rug out from all of that. I, I, I really hope this Apple deal works out for them because they, they've uh, um, they made a, a, a tactical decision that um, I think is very damaging in the short term. So hopefully it works out it in the is. long term. Well, that's the hope. I mean, we want to work in the long term. Look, we don't want to be against Major League Soccer. We don't want to be against anybody supporting the game here because we want it to work – uh, you know, from start to finish. That's the truth. But when MLS continues to get involved or get into their own way, or they keep blocking themselves, well, there's a problem. There's a problem and it's got to be fixed. And they got to understand you can't keep, you know, trying to break something, trying, trying to fix something that's not even broken. That's the problem. They, they think everything's broken when it's not. And when they fix it, 
it, they break it themselves. I mean, this is yeah. where it gets ridiculous and comical. I mean, look, I, I've said this to you before. You know that when we – and it's, you know, talking about promotion relegation – and you know, people will continue to come up to me or say to me, "Well, you're wrong because it's going to work here. You just, you know, have to see it through our eyes." Like, no, it's not about seeing it through your eyes. It's about you have to see the entire situation that's in front of you. You have to see what's going to make this whole thing work because we cannot move into that next step to be on par with everyone else around the world. Whether you want to have a full season from start to finish or do what South America does and Central America does and what Mexico does, have two, se- two seasonal seasons. We cannot worry about that because you know, that whole situation is not going to work either because there will be more complaints. Okay? You, I mean, you want to build a better mousetrap? Well, first of all, fix the first one before you, you, fix the first one before you can even build a better mousetrap. See what happens there. Fix that first. Fix what needs to be fixable first, and then we'll see what goes on down the road. I mean, I want it to happen. I really think it would work here, but at the same time, I've said this how many times? The problem is it's U.S. soccer because everyone keeps saying MLS is the problem. No, MLS is not the problem. It's the people who run MLS and whoever runs U.S. soccer because they are not – going to make the moves that will improve the league and make it stronger and better. Be hiring a head coach for either the men's or women's national teams, the complete disrespect of the Open Cup by Don Garber or by anybody else. And we're still going to have these factions until we can all come together and finally say this we can all agree with. Yeah. It's really absurd, the whole thing. I, I, that they um, that that U.S. soccer is not willing to demonstrate the leadership, um, and doesn't sound like they want to be active and sticking up for their own competition in this case. Um, now maybe no, they, they are. You know, I've been told that uh, uh, J.T. Baston privately has been very uh, very um, unhappy with MLS. That's what I've been told by by, by a source uh, within U.S. soccer. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not seeing any proof of that um, uh, publicly. J.C. Baston and, uh, um, and Sidney Parlocone are apparently not happy with the way things have been going. In terms well, then of they should have the chutzpah. Well, well, then they should have the chutzpah to go to Don and to tell him, we're not happy with what you're doing. And this is what I keep saying. If they're not happy with what Don Garber is doing with MLS's you know, involvement or non-involvement with the U.S. Open Cup or other parts of the game in U.S. soccer, well, then they should have the nerve to go to him either in an open meeting with the board of directors of U.S. soccer or they can always travel to Manhattan to the, to the offices of MLS and you tell Don, stop it. We have the power to remove you off of this board. They well, have to do something. Do they'll never That's the do problem. That. That's I the know problem. they'll never do that. That's the problem they, because they don't have the nerve. They don't have the – pardon my French. They don't have the balls to do that sort of stuff because they're too scared of losing their mighty cash cow. 
Yeah, and I, I don't know what they're getting out of this, to be honest with you at this point. Because if MLS this is the tournament, if MLS this is the competition, what what becomes of US Open Cup? Right? What how does US soccer promote it if it's just a competition among lower division teams? Now I, I think those of us, you and me and others, that would still embrace the Open Cup if that were to happen. But if a doomsday scenario occurs and MLS pulls out of the competition, what is U.S. soccer left with in terms of financial value with the tournament? I mean, so I, I, if I'm Cindy Parlo-Cone and I'm uh, uh, J.T. Baston and I'm the others at U.S. soccer – uh, Douglas Applegate, who, by the way, has done a pretty good job with the competition. I, I give him a lot of credit for uh, for the success the last couple of years. Um, he's great. Yeah, he's done a great job. He's done a fantastic job. But if I'm if I'm Applegate uh, and his superiors at U.S. Soccer, I, I'm drawing a line in the sand now so that MOS can't cross it, and we continue to have the Open Cup as this lucrative national championship, which it is. This is the national championship. Winning the MLS Cup is not the national championship. Winning the League Cup, which is a, a contrived tournament, uh, is not the national championship. Winning the Open Cup is. Correct. That's what I've been saying all along. This is the national championship of American soccer. Anyone who is affiliated with U.S. soccer, whether it be the professional levels, the amateur levels, even the semi-pro levels, have an opportunity to uh, qualify, compete, and go as long as they can all the way to the final and have that opportunity to be in the CONCACAF Champions Cup at the end of the tournament. And this is where MLS has to understand. This is where Don Garber has to understand. It's more Garber than it is the league, but it's more Garber has to understand that we cannot have them pull out of this because if it does, I'll be honest with you right now, Cardick, if it does happen that MLS is no longer involved, watch CBS Sports no longer be a part of this. I don't even think uh, Bleach Report, Turner, Sports, even though they've, they've pulled out somewhat, I don't know what's going to be for next year, but obviously no one wants to do the Open Cup. Because if MLS is not involved, we don't want to be involved. Which is the danger, right? I mean, this might be what Garber is pointing at, that he knows that he's got this leverage as a result of this. And I I think that's quite damning. Yeah, it is. And there lies the rub, Kardec, and there lies the rub, because why? Professional league standard rule. No matter how badly we want to see that gone, that's got to remain to force Garber to keep MLS involved. Right, because it requires you to play open cup. Right, that's correct. I mean, people don't want to pay attention. And this is why I keep saying the people who are pro-rail advocates are not looking at the serious issues that we're going to have if that is gone now. And I'm not saying we have to keep it forever. Now, should there be an, uh, you know, uh, an amendment? Should there be a, uh, a change in the pro league standards? Absolutely. I agree with that. If we can make that more conforming to help pro come into here, but not let MLS leave Open Cup, 
then I'm all for it. And this is where members of the board of directors of U.S. soccer have to stand up to Don Garber if they have the chutzpah to tell him and outrank him and outvote him to say MLS will not leave the Open Cup. Yeah, Daniel, you know, there's things like uh, uh, the, the, the stadiums aren't the standard and, and uh, the, 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 the presentation uh, That's crap. the standard, the broadcast. It's all nonsense. It's all absolute nonsense. In fact, part of the problem is the MLS teams playing, uh, playing games at training facilities in this competition in the past. Seattle does it at Tukwila. At Starfire? Yeah, that was, that was uh, the big example I was thinking of. With the Tukawila yep, games. Yep, yep, exactly. I know the Red Bulls, they play one game uh, where there are two team plays at the, on the campus of Montclair State University because they do own, they do own that field too. With, they share it with I mean, Montclair I, I State University. Know, I, I, when I work for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, I, 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 I had to staff the team in, a, in an Open Cup game, which we won, by the way, uh, at DC United, which was played out in Boys at the Maryland Soccer Park. Yep, which is, exactly. Which is now the home yep. for a new set team. Um, so that, yep. that tells you kind of the standard that way. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. All of this is conveniently it, forgotten when Garber makes his comment. Exactly. Yeah, and I, that's the problem. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, look, we, you, the, the, are there some small stadiums? Sure. Are there some subpar stages, particularly in the rounds that NTSL and USL League 2 are in? Yes. But once you get to USL 1 and championships, you've got a lot of proper grounds. You've got small grounds like Pittsburgh, like Highmark Stadium, but they're, they're really good grounds, and that's what cup competitions are about. The, the, the thrill of the, uh, of the FA Cup, uh, the thrill of the, the, the French Cup. The French Cup is great because they make the, the lower division teams host. Um, in the earlier rounds of that competition, it's seeing PSG go to some uh, 5,000 seat stadium in some provincial town in the south of France and trying to watch them get through that. That's part of the thrill. That's part of the, the, the glory of the cup. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we have to stay vigilant. And that's why we have to keep on fighting against MLS, against Don Garber, and against the MLS Players Union head and tell them that's not true. This is why we love the Open Cup. Now, granted, granted, I'll admit, I want every single professional club of every, of every professional league, even in the amateurs, if it's possible, to have their own stadium to, of course, you know, Get the gate receipts, the parking receipts, the food receipts, the drinks, the merchandise. They schedule their times whenever they need to schedule it for their games, whether they want an early afternoon, a late afternoon, an early evening, a late evening, whatever. Because I think that helps the professional teams in USL and MLS and all of the above. But until then, I'm happy with where these games are being played in because that's what we need. We need facilities, period. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, there's, there's a lot of soccer-specific stadium uh, uh, developments going on. I mean, I'll be in Jacksonville later this week, 
uh, uh, to to be there for their announcement, for the Armada's announcement as to what they're going to do with their soccer-specific facility, which little teaser is going to be uh, in Jacksonville, in the city of Jacksonville. Um, and they've got some, some official support for that from uh, local government, local politicians. And uh, uh, there's going to be a soccer-specific stadium for the USL team that's coming to Jacksonville, which will probably be in St. John's County, which is closer to St. Augustine. But um, uh, there, are, there is now an effort. If you're going to have a team in, uh, uh, a team in, in USL, you need to have a soccer-specific stadium plan. And I have a lot of um, uh, contacts within USL who say that, that's, that the expansion has slowed down. I think you know, realistically part of the reason expansion slowed down is because of uh, MLS Next Pro uh, taking teams. But the other reason expansion has slowed down in USL is because they're requiring a stadium plan when you enter the league now, which is something they didn't do for years and something you, in particular, Daniel, called for them to do. They're now doing it. So things are getting better, um, which means Don Garber is, is portraying an inaccurate picture. You know, some of the things he say, says maybe it would have been accurate in, in 20, 2012, but they're not in 20, uh, 2023. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I've been saying. That's what I've been hoping for. And so far, it's coming to fruition, and I'm very happy about it, to be honest with you, because it's got to be everybody. And what's going on now, Lexington SC, they just broke ground a couple of weeks ago on their brand-new stadium to be constructed. That is fantastic. And now, apparently, Rhode Island FC, who's coming into USL, I think either next year or 2025, um, a mysterious donor has given them an influence of cash over several million dollars worth because Rhode Island FC was originally going to build their stadium. They had some issues. They ran out of money. They thought that they weren't going to build it at all. And now all of a sudden in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, it's going to be built because of that strange and unknown investor that's giving them several millions of dollars and more to now construct their own ground. That is phenomenal. Yeah, that is phenomenal. And I think that uh, we're looking at a very, very um, big, uh, big potential market there. Uh, I've talked to um, uh, people associated with that, that incoming club, and there's a feeling that the New England Revolution, uh, Foxborough is only about 30 miles away. 35 miles away from Pawtucket, um, but that um, that th- there's an opportunity for them, and a lot of people uh, have invested money already in that club, and now there's this mystery donor, this anonymous donor that that's going to make it possible for them to have a soccer-specific stadium, which is just fantastic news. It really is, and this is why I keep saying what I'm saying. I don't want to rush into bringing in promotion relegation because I feel like if we bring it in now, what's it going to save? What's it going to do to the clubs now, the ones that don't have a stadium, the ones that are going to be forced to pay rent at a higher premium than what they are going to have right now? I think for now, I'm not saying that the dream is dead or the idea is dead. I'm just saying for now, we put it on hold. Let us continue to keep growing. 
Let us continue to keep growing, no matter how long it takes. It may keep on growing, and we might not get there even after you and I are gone from this earth. But the point is, is that as long as we care about the sport in this country, and as long as we continue to move forward and hope for more infrastructure, more stadiums, more positive solutions to fix this type of situation, then we can have promotion relegation come into play. And as much as USL wanted to bring in ProRel, let's be honest with ourselves here. That was never going to save the loyal at all from going defunct at the end of this year. That was never right. going to save them. They were already dead in the water once San Diego FC was announced we're going to MLS. I mean, that's just the hard truth. And that's all we have to be. We have to be truthful about the situation. As much as I want it, you want it, we all want it, it's not going to happen if we are all not on the same page. And that is the problem we have right now. Do you – let's be honest. I want to be honest with ourselves here, Cardick. What level of trust do you have in U.S. soccer right now that they're going to put their foot down on Don Garber and they're going to tell every single owner in MLS – in USL Championship, League One, League Two, NISA, UPSL, and any amateur league across the country, we're going to do promotion relegation right now. How many do you think – I mean how much in, do you have belief in U.S. soccer they will do it right now? Seriously. Oh, none, none. And that's the problem we have. Because yeah. we don't trust yeah. the people running U.S. soccer, whether they remain in Chicago or they're going to move to Atlanta, Georgia. We yeah. have no yeah. trust in the, in the board of directors, whether it be President Cindy Parlo Cohn, whether it be Chief Executive Op- Officer uh, J.T. Batson, whether it be – well, I know the sporting director has nothing to do with it, but the point is he probably has some form of a say – you know, uh, in, in in Matt Crocker, do you believe in what he does? No. I, I've lost all faith in him once uh, he said I listened to the players who said they wanted Greg Verhalter back as head coach of the men's national team. I really lost faith in him because he already went backwards when he basically said, I believe in my players. And when they say they wanted Verhalter back, that's a bunch of nonsense. You don't go to the players and ask them, who do you want? You look for the person that you feel will fit the narrative or at least to fit what this team needs in a head coach on the international level in friendlies and competitions and to qualify for the World Cup if you are not the host of the World Cup, period. I don't trust anyone right now, whether they're a former player, men or women, a doctor, a lawyer, a surgeon, you know, who are a part of the board of directors of U.S. soccer to say, I'm confident in them that they're going to give us what, what you know, the people truly want because I have no faith in them at all. None. Yeah. Absolutely none. And, you know, like I said, and you said, you have no trust in them. You don't have any belief in them. And here's the thing that really, you know, with the Open Cup, this is what I want with the Open Cup. I'm happy for U.S. soccer that they got the deal with CBS. Because even though ESPN did whatever job ESPN did, I'm, I'm glad they had a, they did do a decent job. I'm not, I you know I I know there's a certain somebody at Apple who's not happy with my comments or my articles. But the truth is, is this: CBS Sports went above and beyond 
to cover the UEFA Champions League, the Conference League, Europa League, Serie A. They've done a much better job than what ESPN is doing now because most of it's on the streaming platform. Barely have it on mainstream ESPN, ESPN2, whatever, ABC. They only put up the big game, like if it's the De Classer, uh, the classic between the classic go between Bayern Munich and uh, Borussia Dortmund or Barcelona and Real Madrid. Other than that, where else are they? Nowhere. Nowhere. At least with, you know, with NBC, I mean, I can't really say much, uh, you know, negative about what they've done for the Premier League in England be, here in the States. They've been on board. They've been top notch. They've been. They've been fantastic with all their fan fests and going over to England every once, twice, maybe even three times a year just to cover the league at the start of the season, middle of the season, end of the season. But CBS Sports has been fantastic for the Open Cup ever since they picked up those third, those, those third, those third round matches and put them on the Galazzo Network. And I really do hope now that CBS Sports will use their Paramount Plus platform to broadcast every single match of every single round, including the Galazzo Network and hopefully on CBS Sports Network. Because this is what needs to happen. This is the next phase. This is the next step. And I hope that CBS Sports will take the initiative on this. Yeah, I certainly hope they do. I concur with everything you said there. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on uh, – oh, yeah. Here's, here's what I want to say about one more time on the Messi docu-series with Apple. It should not be called Messi Meets America. It should be Messi Meets MLS because there's no Open Cup footage in that docu-series, and that's how upset I am. And your final thoughts on this uh, topic, Kardec? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you completely. It, it, this is not um, – um, this has become an MLS infomercial and uh, has just has not helped to grow the game in this country. And as you said, at the outset, I've just come back from Europe. I spent uh, a little over a week in Turkey, spent a couple of days in, in England. Uh, and uh, uh, the docuseries is on in both of those places. And so um, I can just imagine the, uh, the fan in England that knows nothing about the structure in the U.S., not think, thinking we don't have a domestic cup, thinking that there's no competition against that involves teams in other uh, divisions, in the second, third, fourth uh, divisions, amateur teams, etc. And thinking, my goodness, how backward is soccer in the United States? How backward is football in the United States? When in fact, our competition, our Open Cup, is uh, one of the oldest competitions in the world. Only their FA Cup is older. In fact, our, our U.S. Open Cup, you could argue, has as rich a history or a richer history than the Copa del Rey, than the French Cup, than the Copa Italia, than the DFB Pokal in, in Germany. But it's been cut out completely. So the thing that's bothering me, now that I've just taken a trip to, you know, to international audiences who may now think, like, it's only MLS. There's something else in this country. And, and that, that's really not acceptable. It is not acceptable at all. Carter Krishner, my colleague at uh, Beyond the 90, he's also with uh, Christopher Harris at World Soccer Talk, joining me tonight on this massive omission and this massive failure of documenting Lionel Messi playing soccer 
as a whole in the United States of America. Kardec, as always, thank you very much. Can't wait to bring you back on for another topic. And have a good night, my friend. You were excellent. Have a good night. Thank you. Same to you, Daniel. Once again, Carter Krishna from World Soccer Talk and my colleague at Beyond the 90. You can read our articles at beyondthe90.substack.com. Go to worldsoccertalk.com. They just have a podcast with Christopher Harris and Kardec talking about what if CBS Sports won the rights to broadcast the English Premier League. Head over to worldsoccertalk.com to listen to that podcast when you're done with this show. And finally, the New York Red Bulls fall in game one of round one of the MLS Cup playoffs after a thrilling 5-2 victory over Charlotte FC in the wild card round. Look, um, obviously, the Red Bulls, I thought they were off to a good start. And unfortunately, they fell apart at the wrong time, especially on the second goal, Andreas Reyes trying to head the ball back to Carlos Coronel, who was back in his line. Um, Very bad miscommunication there. And that allowed Coronel, who was forced to come off his line, slide the ball out, left an open net. And that was a great goal for Luciano Acosta to make it 2-0 at the time. Alvaro Barrial getting a brace, opening the scoring and closing the scoring. Um, Rebels never quit. They never gave up. But if we're honest with ourselves here, if we're honest with ourselves here, um, that just they didn't quit, they didn't give up, but still, though, Cincinnati rested and were ready to go forward and to just dominate that first game. But the second game will be at Red Bull Arena this Saturday at 7 o'clock on Apple TV through MLS Season Pass. We'll wait to see if it'll be on um, – Maybe as well on Fox Sports 1. We'll wait and see uh, who gets to call the game there. But outside of that, ladies and gentlemen, it's really simple. The Red Bulls must find a way to get a victory and to force a game three back in Cincinnati the following week. So we'll wait and see what's going to happen there. And other than that, it's just uh, just very, very difficult result against the Red Bulls. Um, they, they did play, they did play their best, just unfortunately not good enough. They did make change, uh, Troy Lissane making changes at halftime. Um, and all you can do is just hope that they get ready, get some rest, get ready for some training and get ready to take it home at Red Bull Arena this coming Saturday. And every one of you must go to Red Bull Arena on Saturday, and cheer that team on. Go for it and have some fun, and we'll see what happens. I want to thank my guest tonight, Carter Krishnar, once again, my colleague at beyondthe90.substack.com and at worldsoccertalk.com as we talk about the Open Cup and Messi and everything else involving MLS's uh, omission or wanting to be omitted out of the Open Cup. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football tomorrow night. MLS playoffs, round one, game one, review. Great guests for you tomorrow night. Thank you for joining me tonight. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.